You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, January 3rd. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. It was like Mother Nature came alive and declared war on Sacramento. That's how one resident described the impact of last weekend's storm to the California report. And more is on the way. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza gets the outlook from Nevada County's Office of Emergency Services. Hydrologist Steve Baker says that WaterWise 2023 is starting out to be a good year. And Mark Cuneberti takes stock of Apple in his Money Matters commentary. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Many places in the state are starting 2023 recovering from heavy rains, high winds, and snowstorms that hit California over New Year's weekend. In the Sacramento area, the deluge caused levee breaches, road closures, power blackouts for tens of thousands of people, and evacuations of some communities. At least one person was found dead inside a submerged vehicle near Highway 99. Here's the reaction of Sacramento area resident Aaron Grace to the weather conditions in the region. He spoke to KCRA News. Mayhem, chaos, terror. It was like Mother Nature came alive and declared war on Sacramento. And there were similar storm conditions in the Bay Area, which also saw power outages, road closures, and toppled trees as nearly five and a half inches of rain fell on just a single day over the weekend. In Alameda County, authorities rescued 19 elderly people from a partly flooded nursing home. Meanwhile, in the Sierras, there was ample snowfall, which triggered avalanche advisories and forced the closure of many roads and highways, snarling traffic. Actor Jeremy Renner, who's a property owner on the Nevada side of the Lake Tahoe area, was critically injured in a snowplow accident. He's been hospitalized and is in stable condition. And with more wet weather ahead, what the National Weather Service in the Bay Area has called a potential catastrophic event, people need to be prepared to evacuate, says Brian Ferguson, spokesperson with the California Office of Emergency Services. Don't assume that someone's going to come to your door, but proactively be looking for information and be aware. If you have an older family member or relative who uh, you know, may need a little help getting out, be uh, there to help them. And then just understand uh, you know, what it entails if the power were to go get out, because it may not be that you need to evacuate, but there may be storm impacts that impact your family or your life. Uh, that could be beyond just the water. And so if you are on um, insulin or need a, you know, need a breathing machine, having a backup source of power, charging your phone, having a full tank of gas, these are all steps we encourage the public to take early uh, in preparation for the incoming storms. Again, that's Brian Ferguson with the California Office of Emergency Services. A new year also brings a bumper crop of new state laws now officially on the books. Here are just a few of them. One new law allows qualified nurse practitioners and nurse midwives to now perform abortions during the first three months of a pregnancy without a doctor's supervision. The law's author, State Senator Tony Atkins of San Diego, says it's a needed response to too few abortion providers in many places in the state. California is facing a potentially catastrophic shortage of providers, especially in communities of color and rural areas, a problem that is only expected to get worse in the next decade. Over 40% of counties in our state don't even have a clinic that provides abortions. 
Another abortion-related law in our post-Roe v. Wade reality prevents state law enforcement agencies from helping with out-of-state abortion investigations. That's supposed to help protect women who might come to California for the procedure from states where abortions have been outlawed. In the workplace, a new law now requires California businesses with 15 employees or more to add pay ranges to job postings. Current employees will also be able to access pay range information for positions they work in. It's hoped the law will help reduce pay gaps based on race and gender. Here's Karen Sloat, a labor attorney in Palm Desert. In California, women are still paid 88 cents for every dollar a man makes. Uh, in Nationwide, women are paid 82 cents for every dollar that a man makes. And those differences are exacerbated when we talk about people of color or different ethnicities. This new law also requires companies with more than 100 workers to report to the state what they pay employees. When it comes to California's housing crisis, two new laws make it easier to build housing on parcels of land now zoned for offices or retail, but that are underutilized. Think aging strip malls and their big parking lots. Assemblymember Buffy Wicks of Oakland is the author of one of the laws. She hopes such measures would show Sacramento's increased willingness to get involved in local zoning issues, supercharge housing production in the state. I view it as a moral imperative to tackle that problem, which in my opinion, starts with more production of housing at all income levels, subsidized low-income, very low-income housing, middle-income, missing middle, market rate, all of the above strategy on more housing production across the board. One new law affects how we cross our streets. The Freedom to Walk Act will make it easier to jaywalk, that's crossing streets outside of pedestrian crosswalks, without the fear of getting a citation as long as crossing conditions are safe. Los Angeles pedestrian advocate John Yee hopes the law makes California communities less car-centric and focuses more attention on the needs of walkers. What I hope this new law accomplishes is A, less number of tickets given out to people who cross, but also B, an understanding that people are jaywalking for a reason, not to be scofflaws, not to break the law, but because they want to get somewhere more efficiently and faster. And so by decriminalizing it, we're then giving a space to ask ourselves, why are people jaywalking to begin with? But we can't ask that question if we make it a crime. And finally, it helps to explain one new state law with some music. But why self-life? That's rap artist Young Thug. When his songs were used against him on gang-related charges in a trial in Georgia, that helped inspire California's Decriminalizing Artistic Expression Act. This new state law limits the use of artists' lyrics in criminal trials involving the artist. That artistic evidence, the new law supporters say, has been too often used to inject racial bias into the criminal justice process. California prosecutors will now have to show a much closer connection to a crime committed and lyrics or subjects in a particular song. And even as we get used to all these new laws, the work of making new ones begins again tomorrow. That's when the state legislature reconvenes in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Guideline. Their automated 401k plans can be set up in 20 minutes. More at Guideline.com CA. Guideline, the California way to 401k. 
and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com. And that's the California Report for Tuesday, January 3rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. Another series of storms, potentially more destructive than the last one, is due to move into our area Wednesday. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza has more on the outlook for Nevada County. I'm speaking now to the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services Program Manager, Mr. Paul Cummins. So, Paul, there's a big storm on the way. What can you tell us about it? So, uh, you know, residents of Nevada County have been getting rained on for the last week, uh, but there's more coming. So starting tomorrow, there's actually an atmospheric river, which folks have probably heard that term before. It's just a lot of water, a lot of precipitation that's actually going to be coupled with a low pressure system that's going to bring a lot of wind and uh, winds potentially up to 50 to 60 miles an hour, which is significant, Uh, five to seven inches of rain in the Grass Valley area. And then above 5,000 feet, folks are expecting to see one to two feet of snow. That sounds like the big difference between this storm, or at least the thing that we should be concerned about, is that there's going to be a lot more wind. That's right. I mean, the, the last storms that we got distributed that precipitation over a week or a few days, whereas what we're going to see tomorrow, all that precipitation is just going to be packed into a very short period of time, which could you know, create those secondary effects that we might see locally uh, that we'll, we can talk about. So really just a more intense storm over a shorter period of time. Let's talk about some of the things that people here in Nevada County can expect. How concerned are we about flooding? Yeah, there's very likely going to be flooding. I mean, what the National Weather Service is forecasting for tomorrow, they're calling it damaging winds with flooding. Same thing for Thursday. So again, with all that rain over such a short period of time, it's going to saturate our drainage systems. We're going to have standing water in low-lying areas. Those, those spots that you know that always fill up in Nevada City or Grass Valley may end up filling up again where you may not even be able to safely drive your car through. So we, don't, we really recommend people don't attempt that. That runoff is going to probably create potential landslides in places or, you know, it may move the earth, right? You may see boulders coming down into the road or under your property. We know that with everything being so saturated from the last week and a half of rain, even just today, many residents probably saw trees come down. Because the soil is so soaked, the trees can't take it and the root systems fail and then they fall down. We're going to see a lot more of that tomorrow because those root systems are already saturated. And then we're going to put these winds on top of that and more water. We're really expecting probably widespread trees coming down across the county. So folks are going to probably see trees across roads. We're going to have trees in the power lines. Coupled with that flooding, it's going to make it challenging to get around and to keep our utilities up. Is there any expected impact to our communication system? Yeah, I would expect residents to have spotty or intermittent cell phone, internet, landline. So, you know, if you're used to working from home or even just basic emergency communications may be hampered. So be prepared to use other means of communication. You know, if the landline doesn't work, try the cell phone. Uh, Maybe you'll have internet. You can still send an email or do a, a voice over IP. So just be prepared to have no power. Because if we're having widespread trees come down into power lines, it's going to create a mess, much like last year's winter storm, where um, not only are the power lines coming down, power poles are going to come down, and it's going to be hard to access them because there's probably going to be trees in the road. We're hoping none of this happens, but just based on the forecast, there's likely going to be some of that in our county. 
So I would just encourage residents to prepare to go without power and to prepare to have impaired communications. Let's talk about some of the ways that we can prepare. So let's all think back to last year's winter storm. What would you have done different if you would have known that storm was coming? A lot of folks had said they would have made sure that their propane was all the way filled up, that they had gas for their generators, that their gas tank in their car was filled up, that they wish they would have maybe hit the grocery store to ensure that they had what they needed for the next two or three days. Putting the batteries in the flashlights, uh, making sure your cell phone's charged, checking in with your neighbors who might be disabled or elderly. You know, let's make sure that as a community, we're ready for what's coming and that we're ready to be self-sufficient for two or three days if we have to be. Other things folks might think about are uh, securing loose objects, preparing for that wind, you know, stock up on firewood even, maybe get some sandbags from some of our local sandbag distribution sites uh, to make sure that your property is ready for any flooding. If the worst case scenario happens, say somebody has a tree fall in their house, who can they call? So it's going to depend on the circumstances. I mean, if the tree's falling on your house and you're trapped inside, can't get out, um, I would recommend calling 911 if, if it's an emergency. If you can call a neighbor or a friend to help you safely get out of there, I would recommend doing that. If it's into utilities, please call your utilities, whether that be AT&T or PG&E, call the utility company directly and pass that information to them. If trees are onto public roads, you can call public works. But much like last year's winter storm, this is going to be one of those things that just takes time. All of the trees and the damage, if it's widespread, it may take a little while to address it. So it may be neighbors helping neighbors coming out with chainsaws if they can safely do it, cutting it up and helping to get it off of the house. You know, I'm hoping that the storm's not as intense as they're predicting. Unfortunately, they are making some pretty strong predictions, so it's important that the community prepare. And then on the heels of this storm going into the weekend, there's another system right behind it. So we just have to make sure that we stay ready. In the regional forecast, the National Weather Service has issued a high wind watch from Wednesday morning through Thursday afternoon. It has also issued a flood watch from early Wednesday through Friday morning for much of Northern California, including the Sierra foothills. In Nevada City and Grass Valley tonight, showers are likely with a low around 36. Wednesday's forecast is for showers, a high near 51, and wind gusts up to 36 miles per hour. Wednesday night, heavy rain, a low of 43, and winds up to 50 miles per hour. In the greater Lake Tahoe area, a winter storm warning has been issued for 7 a.m. Wednesday to 4 a.m. Friday, with heavy snow and high winds expected. Tonight in Trekkie and Lake Tahoe, a chance of snow and a low of 19. Wednesday, snow and rain are likely with a high near 35. Wind will increase in the afternoon with gusts of up to 40 miles per hour. Wednesday night, rain likely, then snow, heavy at times, and a low around 28. Tonight in Sacramento and Woodland, cloudy with a low around 42. Wednesday, showers with a high near 57 and wind gusts as high as 45 miles per hour. Wednesday night, expect rain, thunderstorms, a low around 51, and wind with gusts as high as 50 miles per hour. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. If you're holding your breath in anticipation of the looming atmospheric river, take a moment to pause and breathe a sigh of relief as reservoirs rise and snowpack accumulates. KVMR's Paul Emery has more. Well, it's time for Water News with Steve Baker. 
That's rain, 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 Steve. Uh, that's good news. We're starting this new year in a good way. Oh, we, I mean, we certainly are. Banner Mountain received almost 19 inches since Christmas and uh, 26 inches in the month of December. The California Department of Water Resources, they measured the statewide snowpack at 156%. That's, that's of the normal. So we're doing really well up in the snowpack, too. Go ahead and look at Lake Oroville, and what you're going to see are those water levels. They've, they've come up at least 10 feet as of the last two days of December. And, you know, we've had a lot of rain since then, so I'm sure it's come up even more. Lake Shasta water levels, they've gone up over 12 feet. So this is all a good thing. And it's a bit of a, it's a sigh of relief, but you know, we're way, way, way behind. We need to recognize that also. Um, Soil moisture, moisture in the vegetation, water in the creeks and reservoirs, even the groundwater aquifers. So what we want to see is all this great wet stuff to continue through the wet season. And uh, that means through April and even, you know, some in May, some in June. That's, that's what we're hoping for. We want that snowpack to stay frozen late into the season. And you got to remember, one-third of California's water supply is that snowpack. Well, the snowpack is looking good right now. Mm -hmm. what, now, what are the factors impacted by our changing Sierra snowpack? Central Sierra Snow Laboratory studies these kind of things. Uh, here's one thing. The American pika has disappeared from the 165-square-mile area of habitat over in North Lake Tahoe area. Now, this little critter is a relative of the rabbit, all right? But it's really adapted well to the to survive the really cold and snowy winters that exist up there in the Tahoe region. They don't hibernate. So this 2017 study, it states that there's the biggest die-off of the American pika in modern age right now. And it's really, uh, they're looking at it as a, a, a result of the climate changing a bit in, in our area. Now, forests are moisture stress. We all know that because uh, declining snowpacks and longer dry seasons are, are now extending into November. That's uh, a lot longer than what it used to be. So what's the consequence? Well, we have parched landscapes and that yields more forest fires. Everybody knows that as well. Remember the Calder fire? What was that? 2021, just a couple years back. It burned its way up the western slope. It crested over on Echo Summit, and then it entered into the Tahoe Basin. That was a big deal. It left about 221,000 acres of burnt landscape. So the aftermath of that is is what I I look at and how it impacts the snowpack. Uh, all those trees burnt, so the tree canopy is now no longer there, and that means the snow is exposed to more sunlight. Guess what that does? Well, got more melting. In addition to that, you have all that black carbon that's falling off the trees as we step into winter, and uh, and 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 that black uh, material ends up sitting on top of the snow, and it absorbs a lot more radiation than the, the white snow does, which reflects, and that causes more melting as well. So things are working against us when we do have snow. This is why our hope is to always have significant winter snowfalls and then consistent freezing temperatures throughout the entire winter and early spring and fewer catastrophic fires. All these things, unfortunately, are out of our control, but we keep on moving on. Well, even around here, Steve, you see a lot of dead and dying trees, um, you know, in our region. Oh, absolutely. I, it's a constant... Uh, uh, activity on my property because uh, these these trees keep showing up and they're dying and we have to cut them down to make sure things stay safe. 
Well, Steve, it looks like we all have a responsibility. You know, we're living a good life, right? We have oh, exactly. to yeah. keep our lifestyle within certain uh, parameters. <laughs> we all tend, we all want to do that. And I know our community, uh, our communities are willing participants in, in doing this. We really don't have much of a say-so in the matter, as I said earlier, it's out of our control, but it's the only way to protect ourselves in a changing, in these, with these changing conditions that we live. You know, we're the ones that can adapt. And so we can do that and we're, it's going to be, I feel like 2023 is going to be a good year. Well, I do too, but I'm a very positive guy. Uh, Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. Email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. Financial commentator Mark Cuniberti has followed the stock market on behalf of KVMR listeners for all of 2022, Wall Street's worst year since 2008. But Mark is of the opinion that the route will not truly be over until investors give up their adoration of the beloved company known as Apple. Today, on the first trading day of the year, Apple stock closed a hair above 125. Mark considers what that performance might portend in today's edition of Money Matters. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name is Mark Cunaberti. It is said to kill the snake, you must cut off its head. Probably wise advice, especially if it's a poisonous snake. Just make sure you bury the head afterwards, so says a rancher friend of mine. Otherwise, the meat bees will eat it, and if you get stung by one, you'll be in trouble. Nice to know, but what does that have to do with the stock market? Actually, the snake example does have its lesson. There are many signs a prolonged market route has a chance of ending. Technical analysts look at price charts for clues when the macro guys look to what is happening in the overall economy to see where things might be headed. A blue light special shopper called a value investor. That gang might compare where a stock was and where it is now. The more beaten up, the better, so say the value investor people. After all, a stock that used to be at 400 a share must be a good buy at 100, right? There are many other signs and clues that are tossed about on why or why not the current market ills should or should not end anytime soon. To this analyst, one signal on the end might be near is the head of the proverbial snake must be cut off and buried. What I mean by this is the market leader, the most popular of stocks and the most well-known, must fall out of bed and get creamed once and for all. In my own words now, I call that the king snake. It's the most popular and resilient stock, must have its head lopped off, of course, and buried with the rest of the market until the whole damn thing ends. Now stay with me here. Arguably, one stock comes to mind as the stock, the most popular and well-loved stock of all of them in recent years, if not decades, is... You guessed it, Apple. Keep in mind, I said, arguably, there are many other great stocks and probably just as well-known as Apple, but Apple, at least in my mind, is the most loved stock of all. Apple is indeed a great company. It may not be at its pinnacle, which, in my opinion, was when Steve Jobs ran it, but his successor and the current CEO, Tim Cook, is nonetheless brilliant. He has continued to, if not innovate, to the degree that Steve Jobs did. Steer Apple to the cash juggernaut it is today, which is to say Apple is cash rich and generates gobs of it. Needless to say, it also controls a vast portion of the lucrative smartphone market as well as all the ancillary businesses that come with it. 
Although one of the largest companies in the world, its stock has not been immune to some significant turbulence, but in the opinion of many, including myself, Apple has not been trampled into the dirt and had its head severed like so many of the other popular stocks have in 2022. Recently on CNBC, I heard an analyst say as much by stating something like, until Apple gets crushed as the last stock standing to fall and fall hard, this market may not be done to the downside. I couldn't agree more. Various price levels of Apple stock originally on my charts showed a 138 level as major support early on in 2022. That came and went a few times, down from its all-time high of 182 in early January 2022. Then in June, it breached 138 to the downside, only to rebound again the rest of the year. That was until last week or so, when it briefly dropped all the way down to 125, rebounded, and then fell some more. Now that it's starting to erode with the new year, I can't seem to get the numbers 120, 110, and even 100 out of my head for the price of Apple stock in the future. Who knows, though, right? Although Apple is down 30% or so off its all-time high, I'm of the opinion that market routes end violently and not with a whimper. And so far, I think the final capitulation sell-off of Apple stock is yet to be seen, although the brief fall to 125 and below is ugly to say the least. Keep in mind, no one can forecast market direction at any time. But to this analyst, the snake's head may not be quite dead and buried yet. Watching the market so you don't have to. That concludes today's Money Matters. And today's newscast expresses my opinion only. It is not meant as investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any securities, nor represents the opinion of any bank, investment firm, or this media outlet, its staff, members, or underwriters. I hold a BA in economics with honors. 1979 and California insurance license OL34249 and I'm Medicare agent approved in the state of California. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Cunaberti. That's our newscast for Tuesday, January 3rd. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Craig Johnson Plumbing, family-owned plumbing and rooting service serving Nevada and Placer counties since 2004, providing plumbing installations and repairs, also emergency services for residential and commercial customers. Craig Johnson Plumbing at grassvalleyplumbing.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Stay safe and warm and join us Wednesday for the next edition of the KVMR Evening News.